Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer, where I've worked since 1994. And in this podcast, I'm seeking out some of my very favorite sports legends and asking them to tell the stories behind their rise to iconic status. For this interview, we're so happy to have former NFL and NC State star wide receiver Tori Holt. Tory Holt grew up in Gibsonville, North Carolina, starred for the Wolfpack, and was drafted number six overall by the St. Louis Rams in 1999. Running down the field, makes the catch. Got it. He's got Five. it. Touchdown. Spectacular play by Tory Holt. A juggling 67-yard bomb. Holt quickly won a Super Bowl as a rookie and became an essential part of an offense called the greatest show on turf. Now 47 years old, Holt has moved back to the Raleigh area where he and his brother Terrence Holt, also a former NFL player, are involved in a variety of business and charity ventures. We caught up with Tory in Charlotte for this interview. He was on the Charlotte 49ers college campus as part of his role as an NFL global flag football ambassador for USA Football. And I'll go ahead and warn you, the interview was conducted outside with flag football games going on everywhere. So there is some background noise. My apologies in advance for that, but I think you'll still enjoy this conversation very much. And don't forget, you can also see an edited version of this interview at charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends. Tori Holt, next on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Tori, welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Scott. Appreciate it. It's, it's a real pleasure to have you. You've always been one of my very favorite football player so smooth. Let's <laughs> um, change. Oh, is that right? Still that way. Okay, good. Well, uh, let, let me start there, though, because some in our audience uh, wouldn't have seen you play live. Yeah. Describe yourself as a player. Oh, man, I was, um, you mentioned it, smooth, um, determined, uh, competitive, hard worker, um, and love football. Like, and love sports in general, but obviously uh, love football and um, and had a lot of fun, man. I, I enjoyed competing and having fun and, and doing what I had dreamed of doing since I was a little kid. I grew up in Gibsonville, North Carolina, running around in the backyard or running around out in the streets in the neighborhood, throwing the ball up to myself, shooting the basketball, throwing a tennis ball against the apartment buildings where... Uh, Choice <laughs> would come out and say, hey, can you stop throwing that ball? I'm trying to watch TV in here. Uh, but no, just, 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 uh, just loving the game of football. And then, you know, having so many folks that come before me, like my uncles and aunties who played athletics, guys in the neighborhood uh, that played athletics that I looked up to and wanted to emulate. And then obviously the guys at collegiate and the pro level. Uh, particularly Tony Dorsett, Art Monk, Jerry Rice, uh, Mike Quick, right. to give you a name of some guys that I uh, that I watched and emulated, uh, and, and and wanted to uh, share that experience. Wanted to see what it was to be uh, at that level. So that's 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 me, man. Um, that, that's me, and again, and, and really, uh, and was very very conscious and very aware of sports and what it did for my life um, and, and handling it, it with care and now I have an opportunity now to pass down that knowledge of the game 
um, that I'm also grateful, grateful for as well. Speaking of, we're in Charlotte today, and tell us why you particularly are in Charlotte. Yeah, I'm here with USA Football, uh, promoting black football, which black football has taken off. It's at a whole new level now, uh, both men and women. And I get a chance to come here and share my experience of how I play the game, uh, the skills and what, and what it takes to play the game and play it at a high level. And then also to encourage these men and women to keep going. You know, everybody can't play uh, collegiate. Everyone can't play professional and play at that, at that level. But there is a game for someone, with, and that's black football. And what I've enjoyed the most the last couple two days that I've been here is the strategy and the skill is at, a, is at, a, is at an all-time high, again, both men and women. Yeah, it's a, though it's interesting to watch the women play for me particularly to see how far that game is. Yes, yeah, and 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 the women, you know, listening to them and watching them play yesterday, they talk as much junk as the men. <laughs> I mean, they just as confident about this game as the men are, which is good. You know, I, I think it's a I think it's a good sign. I have young ladies, I have daughters myself. Um, I've run across young women all the time that are athletic. And, uh, and are expressing themselves through athletics and flag football gives those win- gives those women an opportunity to do that. Tell me more about growing up in Gibsonville. Small town. Everybody knew each other. Uh, a family atmosphere. Though everyone wasn't kin to one another, but it felt like that. So if you got out of line, you had permission. The oldest, the, the adults had permission to get on your butt. And, uh, and then they'll go and tell your mom and dad, you know, that they got on you. Actually, they will they will walk you to your mom and dad and say, "Hey, this is what was going on, and uh, here's what walk I had to say." Shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, a small town, small small town, loving town. Uh, I grew up pulling tobacco when I was young. I grew up working at at, at, uh, at Burger King, which is which is right off of uh, I forty there. Gibsonville is near Greensboro. Gibsonville is near what's what's the cell? I mean, uh, near Wissett. Okay, and it's near Greensboro and near and near Burlington as well. Okay. So a small town uh, and a humbling experience, man. You know, not growing up in the big city. Obviously, there's some challenges growing up in, in the country, but we had everything we needed. Uh, like I said, the, the families were good. My uh, Friends and cousins and everybody that I grew up with were all fantastic, and it really, uh, it really made me who I am. Humble beginnings, and I never forgot where I came from. I never, I, I try, I tried not to yeah. forget where I come, came from. And uh, you know, Gibsonville is holds near and dear, dear to my heart. So many lessons uh, from growing up in Gibsonville. You were pulling tobacco, you mean, in the summer? Yeah, yeah. So that was when wrong. I got around, when I got around 14, 15. 14, 15 years old, I didn't have a works permit. You know, you couldn't get a works permit until you were 16, I think it was, maybe 15 or 16. So, you know, I needed some, I wanted some money, I wanted some cleats, I wanted some shoes, I wanted, you know, things that most teenagers want. Well, my mom and dad was like, hey, if you want, it, if you want those things, then you need to go out for tobacco. You need to find a summer job. So, uh, so Marty, who was our, who was our group leader, who gathered everybody up in the neighborhood, uh, out to go out to go out for tobacco uh, showed us how to do it, and um, so I would go out in the summers five hours a day. I was making five dollars an hour, so I would come out of there twenty five thirty dollars, you know, for the day. For the day, 
uh, put a little bit away, go down to Jack's Barbecue, get me a big boy, some fries and a sweet tea, to treat myself for the hard work that I did. And the rest I would give to my mom, just trying to build up some money, you know, to buy some cleats or to buy some tennis shoes or buy some school clothes uh, or just buy something for myself. And then if my mom or dad, if they needed the money, they could also use it as well. But, uh, but yeah, that was tough work, but it really, it really shaped and molded me. And it, it also constantly reminded me that I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I did not yeah. want to pull tobacco for the rest of my life. So I better had make sure that I took care of my grades as best I could, take care of my athletics, and, uh, and just try to go from there. But tobacco really, uh, really, really shaped me and made me the guy who I am now. You literally grew up on Tobacco Road, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. Tell me about your recruitment. It wasn't a straightforward process, right? There was a year in between where you went to a It was. So, so I didn't qualify academically coming out of Eastern Gilbert High School. And my teachers and parents and friends and family members were telling me all the time, take care of your grades, Tori, take care of your grades. And I'm young, hard-headed, thought I knew everything, and thought that just my athletics alone would be enough, would take me to where I wanted to go. But I quickly got home, but I didn't qualify academically at East Gilford, and there was no scholarships for me. Here is this talented guy, all-conference, player of the year, all these accolades that I was able to, to garner while playing high school athletics, but I didn't, have, I didn't have a home. I didn't have a place to go and continue on those athletics. So I was home pretty quickly. But Hargrave Military Academy came along. Myself and coach, my, my uh, high school coach at the time, David Vaughn, uh, thanks to Coach Vaughn, thanks to Coach Westmoreland and all those folks that helped me uh, to identify Hargrave Military Academy. Went up there for a visit. Everything worked out. Uh, they presented some scholarship dollars for me, and my family had to come up with the rest and went to Military Academy for a year. Now, my dad is an ex-Marine. My dad, Odell Shawford Jr., so he loved it. The, the, the whole, he, he couldn't get me to Hargrave Military Academy quick enough. <laughs> is it in uh, North Carolina? It's in Virginia. It's in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, it's in Virginia. And, uh, he so was, went, it was good. You were going to get some military discipline. So I got military discipline, and, and, and I needed it because I was a little, I was a little goofy, silly, carefree, didn't, didn't take a whole lot serious. Went to Military Academy, got the discipline that I needed, got the structure that I needed, was able to get my SAT scores up, passed, and uh, NC State, before I went, came down, signed a letter, they, they offered me a letter of intent, I signed it, and went there, and when I got there, and I, and I was doing well in my grades, you know, prepping for my SATs, had all these other colleges, Syracuse, Carolina, everyone, Tennessee, everyone out of, in the country was, was talking to me, wanted me to come to their school. But I kindly declined. And I told our head coach at the time, Coach Joe Freeland, that I didn't want to take any more, I didn't want to do any visits, I didn't want to accept any letters that I was going to NC State. The reason why is because NC State stuck with me. The loyalty that they showed, the connection that I had built with Coach Caldwell, Coach Caldwell and um, and Coach Simmons, who recruited me in high school as well as at Hargrave Military Academy, checking in on my family at the time. My mother was sick, you know, battling with cancer, so the state would, you know, check in and see, you know, see if she was okay, and, and that meant a lot to me. 
uh, that showed showed me that they cared. Uh, there was loyalty there. So I stuck with this. I got my SAT scores. First people I called was obviously was, was my parents, my family, and then I called the folks at NC State say, hey, I'm in and I'm ready to come. And uh, and so the rest was history after that. That was Michael Kane. So that was Michael Kane. Yeah. So head coach Michael Kane was the, was the head coach at the time. Coach O'Kay was so good to us, so good to me, and so good to our family. And uh, and, I, and I knew I wanted to go play for him. And when I got there, one of the things I also loved about Coach was he had an open-door policy, so his door was open. If you needed to come in and talk to him about anything that was going on, you could come in and, and chat with him. And then Coach also would come down in the weight room. He was a, he, he worked out on the Stairmaster. Coach O'Kane had some of the more – his legs were phenomenal. You know, he played football himself. But his legs were – and it all came from the Stairmaster. So I used to watch him. I'm like, okay, if Coach's legs look like that. I want my legs to look like that. I'm going to start doing the Stairmaster. So I started adding the Stairmaster to my routine. But a lot of that came from his influence. But Coach O'Kane was phenomenal. His coaching staff was phenomenal. Really good to me and my family. And, uh, and I knew I wanted to go there and play. And he was loyal to me. He stuck with me. He encouraged me. He challenged me. He got on me. He reminded me uh, of why I was there uh, and, and the potential and the opportunity that I had if I continued to grow as a, as a player. And it all worked out. So shouts out to Coach O'Kane and like I said, Coach Caldwell, Coach Simmons, and all those. Coach William Hicks, who was our strength coach, they poured a lot into me, uh, which gave me the confidence to get it back out. You mentioned your mother, and I know she passed. Did she pass away while you were in college? She passed away while I was um, um, in college. Yes, my sophomore year, uh, which was which was tough. That was that was a that was a tough time. It was right around the holidays, December the twenty seventh. 1996. So I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just getting my feet wet in, in school and, and really, you know, trying to establish myself. And then the passing of my mother was, was tough, uh, traumatic. And I didn't know how to deal with it. Neither was neither of I, my family, my brother Terrence, my sister Tasha, my pops, Odell, my grandmother, my aunties, uncles. None of us knew how to know how to knew how to deal with it at, at, at the time. Um, and there was a point in time where I didn't want to go back to school because again, you know. Mothers tend to be the center of the, the family. Bedrock, the bedrock, and my mother was hardworking, loving, encouraging, loved her kids. So when she passed away, a, a part of me left. So I started questioning if I wanted to go back to school or not. If I wanted to go on and, and, and pursue athletics, because I, I was, I was a large part of the reason why I was doing it was because of my mom and my dad, and with her not being there, I was like, well, why, why, why should I go on? Why should I keep going? But my aunties and my coaches at NC State talked to me and said, hey, look, you coming back to university, fulfilling your dream as a, as a student athlete, playing athletics, that's what your mother wanted. It's probably best if you come back to honor her. And I sat down and I thought about it, cried about it, uh, talked to my family about it, and decided to change my mind and go back to university. And I went back. And boy, when I went back, things changed for me. It really did. I was uh, initially I was angry, I was upset, I was a little bitter because see my teammates and they would have their family and have their parents and stuff there, and my mom wasn't there, so that bothered me. But it also fueled me to really get in the gym more, get in the film room more, listen better, take care of my academics a lot better uh, than what I was doing. 
And uh, so I, I took a negative experience and, and, and created and, and made something positive out of it and allowed that fuel uh, and my mom not being there really propelled me to the next level. Boy, did you ever go to the next level? Yeah. You were. Throw to Torrey Holt complete. Holt in a foot race with Crutchfield, and Holt is going to win it. Touchdown, NC State. 85 yards downfield. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Tell me about what you would consider your favorite game or two at NC State. Oh, wow. I have several, but the, 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 the two that stick out was, I think it was our, I think it was my sophomore junior year, we went to Syracuse, played Syracuse, and Syracuse was ragging on us, man, and they wasn't giving us a chance. Heck, I don't even know if we felt like we had a chance. That was Donovan McNabb, Conrad, Donovan Darius, I mean, they had, they were loaded, loaded with talent. And um, we played them, and we kept it close, kept it close. And then going into overtime, I caught the touchdown in overtime for us to win that game. They didn't call the timeout. Barnett. Got it! Wolfpack wins the ball game on a two-point conversion in overtime. Torrey Holt, an incredibly gutsy call. And I remember sprinting down Syracuse's sideline, and I flipped the ball to Coach Cassidy. Ascaloni, I think his name was. <laughs> I just flipped the ball to him and his team. Because they was disrespecting us. And you know, I was I was never a guy who would get a whole lot of trash talking or disrespecting my my, my opponent. But that particular day I had had enough. You were you were tired of it. <laughs> I was tired of it. Hey, you know, I'm the adrenaline of the game and, and what yeah. had happened. So that's what that was. So that was one. And and then then obviously the second one is the year we beat Florida State at Carlton. The most emotional days of the year with an ACC team takes on Florida State. And amidst the fireworks, here comes the Wolfpack. 60,000, 70,000 was in that. Obviously made their way back to the stadium to see that victory. Um, the year before, I had scored five touchdowns, as we mentioned early in the opener. And that game, I had two touchdowns. See, they've got to now start thinking it's second and long and start thinking about looking for Torrey Holt again. Of our recruiting, we started getting so many other players from around the country 
wanted to come to Houston State. I think they, I think at that moment they believed that they could win and that they could be good. So those are the two games uh, that stick out to me, but particularly that Florida State game. Oh yeah, that was, uh, and y'all beat them pretty handily, if I remember. Yeah, we, like, we they, like haven't they said the year before when you scored the five? Well, we were way ahead. Right, 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 right. right. Was, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wasn't there some disrespect there a little like, bit? They were yeah. well ahead. Uh, that they that they had in like the second Thursday, but we, we heard all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But we came away from that game like you know what? If we take care of the ball, we get some turnovers, we can beat them. Like we really felt that. Like we really felt that on the way home. We really felt that, and that carried on into the off season, carried on to the summer, carried on into training camp, getting ready for my senior year, and we caught them early. Now initially they bombed on us. I think Bernie's call was called a deep post. The crowd was quiet. And I'm sitting there saying, oh, shit. There you go. But that went away really quickly because of the confidence that we had gotten the year before in doing training camp and in the summer. And we went out there, man, and we had no business. And we caught a, we caught a flow. And next thing you know, we were up 17-7, 17-7, I think it was, something like that. And then Jamie threw me a deep post. Took us to 24, 17 or 24, 7, whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, to your point, we we felt like we beat them pretty handily that day. Our defense was phenomenal. They had five, seven interceptions in that game. So we had a lot of possessions offensively. Yeah. And then we were rolling offensively. Like, we felt like with the talent that we had, Coach Kaiser called a heck of a game, and we were able to execute. And then Jamie was phenomenal. The offensive line was phenomenal, phenomenal in that game. But I always tell people that was a total team win. I know I, I received a lot of accolades and a lot of praise for those my junior year and senior year for playing against Florida State. But I always said that was a team win. Uh, that my senior year, total team win, both defensively, offensively, and special teams. We played the best football that we could have played collectively. And it came out with the win. RC State sitting on a four-point lead. Play action for Jamie Barnett. Big rush on. Hit as he threw, but it's complete to hole for Holt. All the way in. Touchdown, NC State. Touchdown, Tory Holt. How did he come up with that football? Let's talk about the pros, Tory, in your career there. You were drafted number six overall yep. in 1999. As you entered the league, what sort of goals did you have for yourself? I wanted number one was I wanted to prove that I was worthy of being the number number six pick overall. Because a lot of people in St. Louis didn't know who I was. Being out in the Midwest, they didn't watch football in the South. Right. It was all Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, you know, all the teams in the Midwest. So a lot of people was like, who, who is he? <laughs> who is this kid from? How do you spell that name? Right. Yeah, who is right. From where? What? Where is he from? So I wanted I wanted to prove early on that I was worthy of the number six pick. And then I wanted to prove to the folks in St. Louis that I could play. And that uh, that was on my mind all the time. And it was so my conversation with my agent was, look, I want to try to get my deal done as quickly as I can. A fair deal, a good deal. Because I want to get in I want to be at camp. Because I want to be able to pick up the offense. I want to be able to get with my teammates. I want to be able to get involved, get immersed in the culture. And that all happened. And uh, and I was able to pick up the playbook fairly quick, which allowed me to play faster, really showcase my skills pretty quickly. 
And I just remember in training camp, man, just going at it, man, just competing and just, and just having a good time and making plays. And Ray Agnew, who was a former NC State, who was my who was mentor of mine and still a good friend of mine, uh, loved Ray to death. And he would come to me and say, you know, on, on the low, low key, say, hey, Tori, look, a couple of the veterans are saying, this, this kid is looking to play. And that just gave me confidence. It's just, just, just giving me the fuel that I needed to go out and prove my worth. But that was all, on, that was the thing that was on my mind was proving that I was worthy of being six pick overall. Proving to the folks in St. Louis that I could play. And then more importantly, proving to my teammates that I could play and that I was a good teammate. Though I was a rookie, I could take, I could take direction. I'm a team player, but I can play. Warner, back to throw, under pressure, throws the end zone, touchdown Rams, Tory Holt. And, uh, and I think I was able to, I think I was able to, to win them over in my, uh, in my rookie year, particularly in training camp. And then, you know, as a rookie, they used to haze us back then. Oh, I bet. What'd they do to you? They don't do any of that now. Yeah, no. They used to tie guys up to the goalposts, put the water down your pants, put icy hot in your jockstrap. We had all that stuff yeah. happen. Um, we said have to sing yeah. at lunch, What'd you breakfast, sing? lunch. Yeah. So when they would ask me to get up and sing, because I like to sing, no problem. Then I jump right up and uh, sing. So my song was uh, "One for the Money" by uh, Horace Brown, and I sang that at the lunch at lunch. Want to do a little of it now? M O N E Y, it's all good with me. Finally, I can afford the life of luxury. So that line in oh. itself, oh, that's awesome. they all yeah. stood up. I knew I had them. I knew I had them. They all stood up. I finished the song, and uh, and they never asked me to sing again. Oh, oh yeah, because it, it didn't bother you. It didn't bother yeah, me. They didn't. So they was, for one, it was like, he's a confident kid. Yeah. He doesn't mind performing in front of his teammates. He doesn't mind taking direction. And he's pretty damn good yeah. <laughs> as a player and a singer. Uh-huh. I mean, what a team you were joining there, too. I mentioned Ray Agnew, who's a mentor of mine, still is. I love him to death. Kurt Warner was there. Kurt wasn't playing at the time. Trent Green was awesome. He was our starting quarterback. Marshall Falk, Adam Timmerman, Orlando Pace, Isaac Bruce, Ricky Kroll. I mean, I had so many good veterans to show me how to be a pro on the offensive side of the ball as well as the defensive side of the ball. And then our coaches, Coach Frank Gans, Coach Marks, Al Saunders, who was my position coach, great positional coach, great coach. And then Dave Vermeil, who oversaw everything. And the environment that Coach Vermeil and the culture that he had established there, though they wasn't winning, was great because the veterans led the, the veterans led everything. They ran the show. Um, so again, for me, it was all about making sure that I had the respect of the veterans. Because, again, that gave me the confidence to go out and play and play at a high level pretty quickly. When you raised your hands there, I noticed your finger. Is that from uh, catch or what, what? Did you break it? So what, what's going on? Catching balls over the years. Yeah. So it's 2005, 2006, we're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm blocking the Shea Towns and Marshall is coming. Shea went to get away. My finger got caught in his jersey. It popped out. I popped it back in. I was known for that. Popped it back in, ran over to the sideline, taped it up, ran back in and played the game. So just over the years, that was 2005. So I went on and played another six, five, six years with those dislocations. So 
I, I've had so many, there's no ligaments in this finger now. So gravity is naturally pulling it <laughs> to the left, so that's why it is the way it is. But I say this is my battle wound. I can have surgery on it, but I'm tired of surgeries. I've had so many surgeries, knees, shoulders, fingers. I got two screws in this particular hand. So it is the way it is now. So you joined that to get back to the Rams, but it was your first year, right, that you guys won the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. And Warner took over yep. mid-season or something? So Warner took over. So Trent got hurt in the second, third preseason game. Oh, okay. And then that's when, okay. that's when he had the whole season. Kurt came that's on. Right. And then yeah. it just took off. And when he stepped in, you know, we didn't, we didn't skip a beat. Yeah. And I think a large part of that is because Kurt was ready. Yeah. Certainly we were ready. Had the skill. His arena league football skill set fit the type of offense that we ran because it was all about time and precision, getting the ball out quick, throwing the ball to spots, throwing it deep. Kurt had one of the most beautiful deep balls that I've ever ever seen in my life. And then he also had the talent around him. Marshall, Isaac, myself, Arthur King, Ricky Pro, Orlando Pace, Adam Timmerman. We were loaded with talent. So he was immersed with guys who thought the way that he thought and played at the level that he could play at. We all played at a very at a very elite level. So it was a perfect, perfect marriage. But my rookie year was special. Making it to the Super Bowl in my first year, having success in that Super Bowl game, I'm thinking to myself, Scott, this is how it's going to be every year. <laughs> I bet. Well, you had a 100-yard game in the yeah. Super Bowl and yeah. won it. Yeah. As a rookie, you yeah. probably thought you were going to win five I'm like, or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, we're going to win several of these. Yeah. When you're thinking about the talent, we had London Fletcher, Leonard Little, Kevin Carter on the defensive side of all, Keith Lyle, Todd Light, Dre Blyde, Dexter Clean, I can go on and on. Just talent all over the field. Yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, I can get used to this. My second year, I was humble pretty quickly because things changed. Free agency, you know, guys may not be as motivated as they were prior years. Teams get a beat on you. Need a little bit of luck, but wasn't getting that kind of luck. So uh, it was it was different. But ended up going back. My third year going back to another Super Bowl. I'm saying, okay, this is this yeah. is what I'm this is, I'm saying to myself, okay, this is what I thought it was going to be like. Um, but no, I played in two Super Bowls in three years, and I never made it back. I never made it back to the Super Bowl. I played 11 years in the National Football League, and out of those first three years, I made it to two Super Bowls. And after that, I never made it back. So I say all that to say, I'm glad that I was in the moment, the year that we won. And I was in the moment the year that we lost. I can sit here and honestly say to you that I have no regrets. I don't sit around and say, man, I wish I would have did this better. Or I wish I would have done that. I did it. I did it all and I tried to do it all at a high level. And do it all with the thought that, hey, yes, I want to get back here every year. But there could be a chance that I don't. So let me enjoy it. Let me not take anything for granted. And, uh, and I did. So I can sit here with confidence and say in both of those two goals I didn't take anything for granted I enjoyed every minute of it your fires left side acrobatic catch touchdown we'll be back right after this welcome back did you on a different subject your, your brother played in the NFL as well yeah. did you two ever play on the same team at any level in college, my senior year, he was a freshman, but he redshirted. 
so he didn't dress out. But one game, I think it was the game against, uh, oh, it was the game against Syracuse. My senior year, Syracuse came down and played us on a Thursday night. Incredible atmosphere in Carter Finley on Thursday nights. I think we got one of the best atmospheres in all of college football on Thursday nights. Incredible atmosphere. So coach decided to address a couple of freshmen, redshirt freshmen okay. that, that, uh, that game. Well, my brother happened to be one that got, you know, got invited to, to dress out. Now he was a, he was a safety. But that particular game, he dressed out as a wide receiver. So he was in the receiver line with me as we were warming up and getting ready for the game. Whole time, man, I'm I'm choked. I'm choking up the whole time, in tears the whole time. Just just watching him, seeing where we come from, watching him as a young kid, seeing his development, uh, and then being out there on the field with him at the same time uh, was special. That was really, really, really special. And then he went on and had a hell of a collegiate career, went on and got drafted in the Browns to the Detroit Lions. Um, so, yeah, that was I, my my senior year, his redshirt freshman year with the, with the, with the so time, the time we were together. You have um, a number. You mentioned the great Rams teams uh, and all those great players, and you have made the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, NC State's Hall of Fame, many, many Hall of Fames. The Pro Football Fame Hall of Fame has eluded you. So far, you've been a finalist, extremely close. How much does that bother you? <laughs> it's um, it's 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 um, it's been cha- it's, it's challenging. Yeah. It is uh, just just being just being transparent, being very candid with you. It's, it, it's, it has its challenges, but I'm also thankful to be mentioned as a potential Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's that's really cool. That's been 20 plus thousand men that's played our game. I think that's 370 some now, I think. That's crossed the finish line and our pro, pro football Hall of Fame. That's, that's an elite group. That's tiny. So to be a, to be a finalist four years in a row, it's really cool. But I'm ready, man. <laughs> I feel like it's my time. Uh, I feel like I've earned the opportunity to be voted in as a Pro Football Hall of Famer. And the reason why I say that is because of the responses that I get from guys that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and then the guys that I played against. The respect that we show one another, the respect that they have for the way that I played the game. I'm in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, as you mentioned. I'm in the Guilford County Sports Hall of Fame. I'm in the College Football Hall of Fame. And a large part of that, a large reason for that is, is my teammates. Always give shout out to my teammates. Always give thanks to my teammates and to my coaches that helped me get to that point. It's the same thing with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Great teammates that pushed me, showed me how to do it the right way. Great coaches, great competitors in the National Football League. But I was able to do it for a decade. I was on the all-decade team. I got some records still hold in the National Football League uh, that no one has ever done before. I think I was like the fastest at 10,000 yards ever in the league. That's seven consecutive 1,300 yard seasons. Uh, that's amazing. Um, you know, just, just, I can, I, you know, I can go on in regards to the numbers and stats and accolades, but I think for me, getting the respect and the love and the appreciation from the guys that played the game and more importantly from the guys that are considered the elite, which is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is great. Now, once my name is called, if that gold jacket is put on, that, that will be um, that will be the best feeling, best feeling ever. And, I, and I've had some great moments 
seeing my kids born, beating Florida State, as I mentioned earlier, winning the Super Bowl, becoming All-Pro, becoming All-Decade, all those things are great. But to be able to one day have the opportunity to put on that gold jacket, it, it takes me back to Gibsonville. It takes Pulling me back to Pulling Tobacco. Yeah. It takes me back to our, to our, our recreation uh, director, James Smith and Roy Williams. It takes me back to my first coaches, Scott and all those guys, uh, my high school coaches, my college coaches. It'll be for them, too. Well, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I know it must be frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 time, it's yeah. time, and particularly early on, when I, when, when I was first thrust into this, the early stages of the hall, it was frustrating because I didn't know the process. But now understanding and learning more about the process, having that open dialogue with my presenter, Howard Balzer, having open dialogue with others that are involved with the Pro Football Hall, hall of Fame to allow me to understand how the process works has allowed me now to have a sense of resolve, a calmness about how the process works. And I just got to sit back and trust the process. I got to allow the process to happen. But I think I have enough people that are champion for me. I need a few more because this past year was the first year that I had been voted down to the final 10. So that tells oh, me. Man, so, right so I'm right there. So, oh, my, so yeah. my presenter and I, Howard and I, we've been talking. So I'm right there. Now I got to get a few more folks to give me a few more votes to get me across the finish line. It's like beating Florida State. You almost get there. And almost get there, right? You're going to do it one day right? handle it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us about what you are doing now with your brother and in Raleigh, and I believe you're involved in some things in Charlotte as well. Yes. Give, a, give me a sense of Tory Holt today. Tory Holt today. Husband, father, man of faith, businessman, uh, philanthropic, uh, philanthropist as well, and really, really thankful and fortunate to be in business with my brother. I think that's that's really cool. Um, and he is he's our leader. He's the president of Whole Brothers Inc. And Whole Brothers Inc. consists of Whole Brothers Construction, all commercial construction, Whole Brothers Foundation. Our foundation supports young kids with a parent or guardian that's battling cancer. All of us can resonate with that. We either have someone or know someone that's that's valid with cancer. Whole Brothers Football, which uh, which we put on football camps, uh, we've had seven on seven tournaments. But that's story hold today. Oh, NFL Legends community helping our current and former players, particularly our former players, with their transition from the game of football. Uh, my job as an NFL Legends coordinator is to keep our former players engaged and active with their former teams. So I'm really excited about that. Been doing that now for five, five, six years now. And then recently becoming the uh, USA Football Global Black Football Ambassador. Yeah. So I wear a number of hats. A lot of hats. But all the things that I enjoy doing, so it doesn't feel like work. I'm able to make an impact with our construction company on the state in terms of infrastructure. Seeing the buildings and seeing the things that we're involved in is really, really cool. I never never thought in a million years that I would be involved in construction. But seeing the impact that we have on the state, the infrastructure is really cool. Our foundation piece gives us an opportunity to serve our community. I, I, I firmly believe that we're all here to serve at some capacity. It's up to you how you want to do that. 
It's kept me sane. It's kept me humble. Uh, it's kept me active. Uh, it's kept me engaged. It's kept me in shape. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kept me enthused. Uh, and it, has, it gives me an opportunity to come around with football, be around these young folks, and talk about football. But not only that, but talk about life. Because often they ask, "Well, what are you doing now?" And I'm able to tell them how I how I transitioned from the game of football into this life of mine now as a father, husband, businessman, you know, philanthropist. Tell me about your children. How old are they? So I have three kids. They're all at NC State. There you go. Go Pack. We all go to NC State. Go Pack. Uh, my son, Braden, is the oldest. He's 22 years old. He's in the civil engineering department at NC State. Have two daughters, Tori Brianna, who's a rising junior. She's on the soccer team at NC State. She's studying sports management and communications. And then my youngest daughter, Brooklyn, is a rising sophomore. She just finished her freshman year. Uh, she's also on the soccer team. I got two daughters that are playing on the soccer team at NC State. My youngest daughter, Brooklyn, started 17 games last year as a, as a freshman. Uh, was first team all ACC academics. Uh, so very talented young lady. And, uh, and I get an opportunity to travel around and see them play, you know, soccer on the collegiate level. The other football. That's the rest of the The other football, football right. Yeah. The other football. Right. The others will say the most important football. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, those, that's, those, my three kids, and like, as I mentioned, my wife, so my wife went to NC State as well. I met her at NC State. She played soccer. Wow. So, you, uh. You guys really do bleed red. Yeah, so we, so we bleed red. We, we, we bleed red. My brother is married as well. His wife went to NC State. So it's, it's a family affair. But uh, but no, thankful, thankful to be able to uh, to watch them come into their own. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, my son is an engineer. Most folks ask me about my son. They said, "Does he play sports?" I'm like, nah, he don't play sports. He uses. He was smarter than his dad. He used his brain. <laughs> but uh, he's an engineer, and, and as I mentioned, my, my two daughters as well. They're doing their thing with academics as well as athletics. Last thing I ask you, and I ask this of all NFL former NFL players who do for this series: How is your health? And mm. Do you have question. any Good question. You know, concussion issues or any other sorts of nagging issues? From no, the game? I'm, I, and I'm glad you asked that, Scott. I appreciate you asking that because one of the things that I ask folks when I when I talk to them, particularly our former players, current and former players, is how you're doing. And I'm doing okay. I'm thankful. I'm I'm, I'm healthy. I'm able to get up and move around. Now my knees and my back and my hands and stuff sometimes give me give me issues, but that's just from the wear and tear of playing in the National Football League uh, for 11 years, over a decade, and the physicality that comes with that. But I'm able to move around. I'm healthy. I don't have to say this, but I just had my colonoscopy. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that was clean. Yeah, great. So now I'm a big advocate of encouraging other men, particularly men of color, to go and make sure that they're taking care of their colonoscopy, make Very sure important. that they're taking care of their prostates yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But... Uh, but for the most part, no, I, I got a pretty clean bill of health, and uh, and my goal is to keep it that way. And I try to make sure that I take care of my diet, try to exercise, try to make sure that I take care of my mental health uh, as well. I try to make sure that I pray. And then my communication with my former teammates is critical because all our life we've been in the, been in the locker room. Been involved with teams, had teammates, so I want to make sure that I keep that alive while I'm done playing. Um, 
So yeah. So for the most part, thanks for asking. I feel pretty good. That's wonderful to hear. I lied. I had one more question for you that this will be a thoughtful one, but you'll have a good answer. Since you know ACC so well and grew up watching, if you were going to construct a Mount Rushmore of ACC sports legends, Whew. players, oh. coaches, wow. anything, take yourself out of the mix, obviously, but pick before, and it can be just your personal favorites, but four of your favorite ACC uh, sports legends of all time. Dean Smith, Lynn Bias, Michael Jordan, Ralph Sampson, David Thompson. You have a fifth Mount Rushmore. That's okay. It's your statue, so you can do what you want. You got to keep an NC State guy in there. Right? Got to keep an NC State guy. <laughs> and he can actually go before a couple of those guys. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. But, but, yeah. but, but what a, what the a, ACC so you're a big basketball guy. Too. Huge yeah. basketball. Yeah. When I was growing up, okay. it was, you know, it was, it was Rap Sampson. It was Lynn Bias. I mean, it was, it was James Worthy. I mean, I could have added James Worthy in there. Yes. Oh, Bias um, was amazing for people who haven't seen Bias. Oh, man. Go back Bias to you phenomenal, yeah. man. Chris Corciani, Rodney Monroe. I mean, the ACC guys. But, uh, no, I grew up watching ACC sports from a young kid, and I knew immediately if I had an opportunity to play collegiate sports, that was the conference that I wanted to go to. I just remember Raycom sports and the commercials and yeah. the, the sound and just sail with the pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. fantastic. I was, like, I was like, okay, that's, if I'm fortunate enough, that's the conference that I want to go. And play, unfortunately, I was able to do that. And that's why I have so much pride in the ACC, and I tout them the way that I do. And I try to be around, continue to stay around the ACC, certainly continue to stay around NC State as much as I possibly can. I just think it's a great conference with great coaches, great administration, great leadership. Um, so, no, ACC is the best in the land. Well, Toriel, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that very much. That's Tori Holtz. <laughs> I'm Scott Fowler. This is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Thank you. I right don't. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Sports Legends of the Carolinas, a production of the Charlotte Observer. This show is produced by Lou May Ali Sally, Jeff Siner, and Cotta Stevens. The sports editor of the Charlotte Observer is Lydia Craver, and the executive editor is Raina Cash. Remember, you'll find much more about this interview and about all of our guests, including Steph Curry, Roy Williams, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Don Staley, in our Sports Legends book. Pre-order your copy now at sportslegendsbook.com. For lots more sports content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com and consider a digital subscription. And connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. See you next time.